It's the 7th of September. It's the 7th. And how do we do? It's 6.56 p.m. And you know it's all you know I'm starting to realize here you know, we're getting there. Of course it's an overcast day as well, but you know soon we're going to uh, we're gonna fall back. Isn't this the last year before fall back? What's becoming permanent next year? Fall back or spring forward? I forget. But we're falling back in a couple of weeks. And then it's really going to be dark. But right now, if you look out the window, it's starting to get a little bit more nighttimey at 7 o'clock. Which is really where this show starts sinking into its atmospheric... I was going to say glory hole, but I'll say sweet spot instead. <laughs> this atmospheric glory hole of ours. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, what are we doing tonight? It's the 7th of September, and we have Chris Ann Hall, chrisannhall.com, Liberty First University. Uh, she is returning, and I want to get some insight on a few things that were bothering me. Chief among them was the strategy, uh, and of course, the legality thereof. Um, with this border states, the border states like um, the Governor Abbott in Texas packing up illegal aliens on the American side of the border instead of sending them to the other side of the border and uh, sending them deeper into the country to own the libs. Now, I have some follow-up questions on last night's show with practical ways to avoid the presence of D.C. in conservative states. In the second half, I have another banger of a thread written by uh, Glenn Greenwald about the current state of just flagrant not just censorship, but just flagrant, naked collusion between media, social media giants, and intelligence agencies to make sure that people are kept in the dark, dumb, and dissuaded from doing anything that counters the narrative in a public way. Um, it's, a, it's a scary time, scary time to be alive, of course, but also an exhilarating time in this lead-up to the fourth turning I'll give you a little bit of a background of what references to the fourth turning means, as we've done shows on it in the past, and um, I just want everybody to know the, the lexicon here and be up to date. So all those gaps, you know, we fill the gaps well here. Extras, unforgettable moments that you only get on, quite frankly. I hope you enjoy the evening. I want to thank my sponsor tonight, Secret Nature CBD. A great way to hang out and just enjoy what is going on without sending yourself into a couch-logged or a couch-locked fog, a stoned state. That is full-spectrum CBD. You can get the, these wonderful pre-rolls. You can get uh, bud that you can grind up and pack and roll whatever, however you want. There's tinctures. There's oils. It, it's a wonderful thing to have in your medicine cabinet. You're all-natural, from-nature medicine cabinet. SecretNatureCBD.com. It is so high in CBD, so low in THC, it is legal to ship to all 50 states of the union. So go ahead and enjoy. Make it social. Make it a little bit more of your wind down, a little bit more of your rev up, whatever you want. They got all, they got everything you need, the hybrids, the indicas, and the sativas. All right. Use promo code FRANKLY for 20% off. That's a big, that's big, that's big. 
Start shopping now. That's great stocking stuffers. Get everybody a couple of packs who you know who would like it. Do your thing. All right. Now where do we go? I guess there's only one place to go. That is into the loving arms of the grab bag. Are you ready to be grabbed? I am. All right. First things first. It's my mother-in-law's birthday. Happy birthday, Pam. So we'll get that get that done right there in the front. Couple of minutes in. Priorities. Now we go over to what's the first one up? Elon Musk announces Neuralink. Neuralink's show and tell. It's going to be on Halloween, which I think is pretty fitting since that this uh, this Neuralink stuff is 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 almost exactly like the plot of Season of the Witch. Elon Musk announces Neuralink's show-and-tell event on Halloween to give the first brain implant progress since a monkey was fitted with the device uh, was announced to be dead back in February. Watch, they have reanimated the dead monkey. Elon Musk announced Neuralink is hosting a, uh, a progresses event on Halloween. The last event was April 2021, which saw a brain-chipped monkey used its mind to play video games on a screen. However, Musk did not give any details to what will be shown on October 31st. Or as Matt would say, October 31st. Matt will be around. So he, he said he might be coming back this Friday, but he's been really sick. Matt got sick in a big way. The weed didn't help him. Um, but he's getting better now. He's he was got real beat up. He was nervous for a second there. So we'll talk about. Well, who knows when he comes back? I said, listen, don't even worry about Friday. If you're not feeling well, then just chill. But still, um, Elon Musk announced that the Neuralink is hosting a show and tell progress event on the 31st, which will be the first progress update since the world watched a brain chip monkey play a video game with its mind in April of 21. The animal later died during testing. The biotech firm is developing a brain-computer interface that uh, it claims could one day make humans hyper-intelligent and allowed... How, how about just moderately intelligent? Can we work on moderate intelligence? We don't actually need hyper-intelligence. You know, we don't actually need it. I think that we've done a great job. It's when we're properly stimulated, we do amazing things. So... I think this is the principle, even though we know that this is that it, that's just a doorway into so many other, so many other places. But just the principle of okay, well, we created computers that are so powerful that we now need to um, amend ourselves. We need to upgrade ourselves cybernetically to be able to keep up with the level of intelligence we've uh, that we're generating. Uh, on a mechanical it's just it's i think we do pretty well when we're properly stimula stimulated we're just not properly stimulated so we're being hollowed out naturally and all of what would have been a a, a normal a normal way of developing the human mind and social norms and art and philosophy and all that stuff things that we've been doing for thousands of years uh, we we pretty much have created a void inside of people we've destroyed culture and now we're just going to supplement all of that with, with I don't know, I guess Tesla, Apple, Google. 
Yeah. Well, anyway, we're going to see what he has in mind. 31st, it's on Halloween. I'm sure everybody's very excited about that. I'm morbidly um, curious. I got a little bit of morbid curiosity brewing inside me. We will see. Uh, you want to see how far the Drudge Report has fallen? I go on there every once in a while to dig up weird articles like the Elon Musk thing with Neuralink and AI and all that because those things are buried in there but Citizen Free Press is definitely a lot better if you're looking for news anyway this is the front page of uh, Drudge Report for most of the day look how ridiculous this is they have a, uh, a haggard picture of Donald Trump and they're asking Don had nuke docs was he selling which is the most ridiculous thing I could think of Donald Trump going out seeing if anybody wants to buy American nuclear secrets and documents it is the most ridiculous thing and I'm not a, a Trump sycophant in any way shape or form I like cheering him and anybody else who does good things and consistently doing good things and I will jump off when I think that it's uh, not a good thing I will I will freely criticize but from an objective standpoint, this is absolutely ridiculous. But this is just, this has some people captivated. If you're one of those people, I feel bad for you. Then again, you're probably not watching this show. So pass the word along to everybody who does think that way, please. Oh, this one is, this is a sad story. This one, this next one is a very sad story. I wanted to bring this up because it's, you know, the summer's almost over. And apparently a lot of people's summer, summers have been completely destroyed now because of monkeypox. Listen to this. Headline from NBC. How monkeypox spoiled gay men's plans for an invincible summer. Queer men across the U.S. talked to NBC News about the dates they never went on, the sex they never had, and the gatherings they avoided due to the viral outbreak. For many gay men and bisexual men, the sprawling and chaotic monkeypox outbreak was upended, has upended a summer that was supposed to be a well-earned opportunity. What do you mean? Oh, following the peak of the COVID crisis. Right, right. Well, they, they earned it. <laughs> they earned it. Everybody's out there getting some, and now they, they can't. They can't get buried at the pile of a... Buried, buried at the bottom of a pile of naked men. Everybody else is. Following the peak of COVID crisis... To finally have some fun and revel with their gay brothers without the... Th this is NBC News. This is not This is not some erotica rag. Um, this is not like, I, I don't know, the village voice. Uh, soon after Memorial Day, however, these men, as well as transgender individuals and other queer people, Susan... GBTQ for short. <laughs> because lesbians monkeypox risk is remote. It pays to be a lesbian, Susan. We're met head on with harrowing reports about monkeypox's off often devastating and disfiguring effects on the body. Next came anger and frustration over what queer activists characterize as the Biden administration's fumbling initial response to the outbreak. Well, they didn't fumble anything. Uh, it, uh, the entire world fumbled for weeks to figure out how we describe what was happening because it was immediately suppressed and uh, and uh, and lambasted as being 
homophobic. I mean, it was very clear what the pattern was and what the reality was from the beginning. They were like, oh, we have to... And they said racist. They wanted to get rid of monkeypox. They said it was racist because it came from Africa, and there's that whole connotation. And then there is the fact that it's only mostly gay people, gay men getting it, and they didn't know how to describe it. They came up with new ways of describing what a gay person does. It was just so weird. But don't worry. I just want to put on out there, don't don't worry, um, because here's the Biden administration's new monkeypox coordinator, according to Tim Young at SiriusXM Patriot, Dimitri Daskalakis. It's real, too. I, and I, he has a, he's just pretty much a gay stripper with a, who wears leather pentagrams on his chest. And, I mean, his Instagram says that he's a doctor, Dr. Dimitri, but I, that just may be a stage name because his whole account on Instagram is just him in underwear. By the way, my chiropractor has monkeypox. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that happened. So that's, yeah, the the invincible summer has been ruined. So everybody, I just want everybody out there to to join me in feeling sad for the poor men whose plans of being buried under a pile of other naked men all summer was ruined by a sexually transmitted disease. So come on, everyone. Let's just be sad for the orgies that never were. Just for a moment. And done. Okay. Let's move on to the next thing. Here's something that will ruin your day. Here's the headline from Yahoo Life. And it's about Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton says, Suggestive ups... <laughs> I can't even say it. Suggestive upskirt photos prompted her to start wearing pantsuits. So that's where the pantsuits came from. People were trying to get cooter shots. Of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> um... Let's see here. Hillary Clinton started wearing pantsuits, now considered her fashion signature, yeah, also the fashion signature of Mao, after suggestive photos were taken of her in a skirt during a, for her first time, or her time as First Lady. Now, she wasn't, I mean, when she was younger, she wasn't that bad. But, of course, when you r- learn about the evil, then a lot of that goes out the window. In a new interview with Nora O'Donnell, So you know it was a very serious interview for CBS Sunday Morning alongside daughter Chelsea. The former presidential candidate shares that she switched up her style after visiting Brazil. On a state visit in 1995, Clinton wore a cream skirt, a skirt suit during her visit in which photographers shot her from below. I was sitting on a couch and press was let in. There was a bunch of them shooting up, the former presidential candidate shared. Some of the photos in which Clinton's underwear appeared to be visible were later used in ads for Brazil's DeLorean lingerie. <laughs> Those Brazilians, man. They are so horny. Quote, all of a sudden the White House gets alerted to these billboards that show me sitting down. I thought my legs were together, but it's the way it's shot. It's short, sort of suggestive, Clinton, 74 years old, added. And then I also began to have the experience of having photographers all the time. I'd be on stage, I'd be climbing stairs, and they'd be below me. So I just couldn't deal with it. So I started wearing pants. Then Chelsea, 42 years old, broke in to share her thoughts on the photographer behavior. What'd she say? Creepy. That's so creepy. Thanks, Chelsea. Glad for you to join us. So just in case people were wondering, when did the pantsuits start? (laughs) Now we know. 
710, we're making good time. Here's one final thing for you out there in the world. Is everything broadcasting nicely? It is. I reverted, I got the, the broadcasting um, software that I was using to go back to the old, the old operating, um, the old version. So I'm back to where I was before. I'm not on Restream tonight, so I, I hope that everybody's connection is solid. Uh, I still want to find a way to get to get some kind of a system in place where maybe one of my network crew members can go and rebroadcast live, syndicate live to Telegram, to Odyssey, to Getter, to CloudHub. I'd like to get to everything all at once. Um, we have the universal super chats to bind us all, so I, I'd like to see where we go with that. But I just wanted to make that announcement on a tech stand standpoint. Now here is a little bit more on a Bigfoot side of the equation. A Bigfoot sighting at South Carolina Park deemed credible incident. At least three people reported seeing a creature they believe could be Bigfoot last month in what officials are calling a credible incident. Three visited South Carolina's Hunting Island State Park on August 3rd, according to a report. A creature they thought was around five to six feet tall walked upright and that must be a baby. A baby, a baby Bigfoot, uh, Susan, walked upright and fled into nearby woods, they said. The creature fled so quickly that they were unable to capture it on camera. How convenient. After the incident, the group filed a report with park staff and Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. The creature's legs were approximately three feet long, human like jointed knee with dark brown splotchy black hair that was approximately two inches long oh they, they got they got that good of a look that they can see how long the 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 hair was uh, we were all in a state of amazement as to what occurred as it happened so quickly we have enjoyed taking many vacations to the park throughout the years since we were children in the 1950s to the present while the area is abundant in wildlife, we have never witnessed anything like this in the past. An investigation into the incident will be initiated, the park superintendent said. Now, I believe it was either the Carolinas or Georgia or something in that area, Tennessee, where we had the three-year-old boy that was missing for three days in a really chilly time of the year. It was either fall or early spring, like around March. That claims he was kept warm and fed with berries by a big gorilla. And that was that was not too long ago. That might have been around 2017 or something. Interesting stuff. I don't discount the Bigfoot. I do not at all. Do not. I do not. Um, I think there could be many credible ways that this could be real. And I would, I would still, if anybody actually has any Bigfoot encounters, I would like to talk to you. With that being said, I want to say one thing before we go into the break and then starting this show off officially. If you go to quitefrankly.tv, remember, I added a brand new forum. We are not on. Shit. Yeah, wow. The Yankees beat the Twins. They came back to beat them in the bottom of the 12th. What was it, 714? Now they're going to have a half hour to change uniforms and go out there and play the second game in the doubleheader. Good for them. They need to win everything they can, Susan. Susan. Um, but remember, we are not on Reddit anymore. You have no excuse 
You have to go on the forum on quitefrankly.tv, and I have also learned how to sticky and pin all of the show threads that we are prioritizing. You see, there's a lot of people underneath. There's a, the, a great thread by John Otter, what book should Frank do for the next book club? Leave a meme, take a meme. New faces, sacred cows, and dangers of eating bugs. I mean, there's so many great threads that people are putting up. Misheard song lyrics. Great threads that people are putting up on their own. Many of many of which can become show topics in the future. But here are the pinned ones that I have put up that are open and are going to be for future shows. Why did I bring this up? Well, we talked a little bit about Bigfoot. And one of the bigger ones here is... Tell us about some strange things you have seen in the woods. We have 16 responses so far. Hundreds of views. We have a reoccurring dreams repository thread. Any kind of reoccurring or uh, recurring dreams you can put into there. A show thread. Are you a nurse or a medical professional? We want your best stories from the field. Already, that's a, we have 21 responses there. 39 dream responses. And then walking in on your parents doing it. And have you ever been catfished? That is going to be a big show. I have I have my own story for that, so I'd love to get more people. Have you ever been catfished? Led astray, especially in the digital era, um, by a person you thought was one person and completely scammed you by assuming the identity of something else to either gain financial benefit or just a complete emotional roller coaster. That's what we went through. But uh, we'll talk about that later on. It is 7.16. It's time to go because we have Chris Ann Hall coming on, and I have one more thing to do to set the stage before she gets here. So don't go anywhere. In fact, share the show far and wide on anything that you are active on in social media land. Be right back. Come on, sit up. When we, you want to open, awesome. open up yeah, my cool. thing? Open up. Hey. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! Drizzly night, two drizzly nights in a row, and I love it. 
beautiful rainy days. Okay, so what do we have? Remember it, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. This is Quite Frankly. I am Frank. And if you want to be able to put your thoughts out there as well as support the show by throwing a little bit of a little bit of loose change into my upturned hat then you can go to quite frankly superchat.com quite frankly superchat.com that is for everybody no matter where you're watching live and even not live because you can always leave a message for the next day so that's what you have going on and there's gonna be plenty to talk about tonight um, I wanted to first bring up this one story and then we're going to get to Chris Ann Hall. Um, the first story, this is this. There was a, where is it? Here's a, 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 just a short clip of a boy, teenage boy from New York City who has been, actually one of hundreds of thousands who have been excluded from public school athletics because they refused to get the shot. Take a listen to this. I put my whole like life and soul into this game. And then... Boom. The mayor announced a vaccine mandate for New York City public school athletes. They was like, nah, you can't. It was like, nope, you got, you got to get vaccinated. So that, like, just broke me. Now, I want now this is about a six-minute long video we don't have time for. It was uploaded on Rest, Restore Childhood YouTube account. It's, and it, the title just tells you what the, the story is here. 374,705 public school students have now been barred from participating in New York City's Public School Athletic League, all right? Um, and other high-risk after-school activities like music because they do not have two doses of a CV-19 shot. Now, this policy is forcing families like lifetime Harlem residents, the Hicks, uh, Robert Livingston, the, the child you just heard right there, to flee the city, which I think is actually a great thing. Um, I want to bring this up because it's a little bit more about how complete overreach and tyrannical, um, tyrannical behavior by even city governments can have positive effects on how people understand the true nature of government as it gets larger and more encompassing power and starts absorbing people's responsibilities and uh, tries to dictate to tens of millions instead of tens of thousands. But I mean, let's, uh, I say, let's bring back Sandlot Ball. Let's bring back playing after school, uh, organizing neighborhood leagues, you know, fuck the system altogether. I think being excluded from public school is a blessing. If they can do it for you, it's a much easier choice because I know it's hard for people to make that final leap to cut off, cut themselves off, and I'm talking about private schools too. If it's if it's an established institution, you have to look into its background and its uh, its reputation because private and public. I know public is much worse, but private ain't that better. You know, it's it's not even a good environment to be socialized anymore. So I say, bring back sandlot ball, playing after school, intramural sports, wiffle ball leagues, whatever the hell it is. Go out and enjoy your life. That's what it's all about. But a lot of people want to get scouted. That's the other part. They want to get scholarship funds. But you want to know something? The public schools, the private schools, they are all dictated to by the same mentality as those in universities. So what those sane universities out there, like, you know, religious universities or whatever the hell it is, if anybody wants to set them 
themselves apart, you better realize that you have a completely, think about New York City. Think about New York City alone. That's 375,000 student athletes that have no place to go. That is a recruiting dream. If you are, if you like are an administrator of a school that is actually trying to do good for children and is not going along with all this nonsense, I mean, you think about all the talent out there. Now, one school can't bring in 375,000 people, but I, th- there's opportunities for everybody. And I think at the, the, the base level, at least for children, I know it sucks. You're not getting into a league. You're not getting into something that's organized, but at least you're maintaining your dignity and, and your health. Remember that. Now, there's one other thing here I want to put a little bit onto the record before we get on with Chris Ann Hall, because I think we can really take from a few lines what this is all going to be about. This is from Zero Hedge a couple days ago. Said, should red states block federal agencies from operating with impunity? Blue states do it. The concept of sanctuary cities has long been implemented within predominantly leftist states in America. It's not anything new. Any operations by DHS and ICE with blue st- within blue states to arrest and deport illegal immigrants are often met with aggressive resistance by Democrat-run city governments. Keep in mind that foreign individuals have no right under the Constitution to reside in the United States without first gaining citizenship. Leftists say they don't care and are happy to welcome millions of illegals into the country with open arms in direct violation of laws protecting our borders as well as the stability of our economy and society. They do this not because they are naively humanitarian. Rather, they see it as a means to import a massive voting bloc that will give leftists whatever they want because they believe they will get citizenship in exchange. Um, obviously, the political left is openly hostile to federal agencies and then, oh, and when those agencies happen to obstruct their agenda. Though it's rare these days for blue states and feds to be at odds, it does happen. ICE and other agencies might try to find ways around uh, sanctuary status, but there is never any question of treason or insurrection. Blue state politicians don't get raided or arrested as national enemies. Now, this goes on a little bit more and you can see where it's going. And it's actually going to encompass a couple of different things for us tonight. Number one is the illegal immigration aspect. Yes, there are blue states out there that have created sanctuary states, sanctuary city status, which is ridiculous and illegal. But at the same time, we have red states at the border that are using, that are they have, that have power to stop people from coming in and to push people back onto the other side of the border, the Mexico side of the border, instead are helping bolster the numbers, a plan that has obviously already been adopted by blue states and blue sanctuary cities. So I want to talk about this. I also want to talk about the general idea of voiding the power and the influence of D.C. in localities, whether it be villages, towns, cities, or entire states, because that came up briefly last night when we were reading that article about, um, or we we got a, a question about the dismantling of the FBI and and getting them out and one thing or another. I think we're going to have a good time with this one with Chris Ann Hall. So uh, without skipping a beat for our September appearance, let's go and bring Chris Ann ha- on. See how she's doing. Hey, Chris Ann, are you there? She doesn't hear me. Again, we're. <laughs> Chris Ann, 
Do you hear me? Ah, you know what happened? JC's probably not there to engineer the show like the last time. She just got up to try to figure out what's going on. All right, so you know what we'll do? I'll just read a little bit more on this until she comes back. Obviously, the political left is openly hostile to federal agencies, but I bring up this issue because many readers have asked me to comment on the events at Mar-a-Lago and the FBI search of Donald Trump's home. From the information I have seen, every president in history has been given access to classified information after they leave the White House, especially if they are planning to run for office again. One can debate the merits of this policy, but it is a policy just the same. Presidents have also sweeping authority to declassify documents and information when they feel it is justified, meaning if documents were found in Trump's possession, it's completely plausible that he simply declassified them before taking them. Now, this 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 uh, article really just focuses in on how all of these standards and all of these rules and these laws and regulations are never applied equally, and uh, we live in a subjective society. But anyway, let's try uh, Christiane again. Christiane, you there? I am here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you on. Wonderful to have you respond. I know, I know. Well, I'm I'm here all by myself tonight. My whole team just sort of abandoned me. I knew it. No, I knew it. I knew so it. So did you hear that little whine in my voice? Because I'm here all by myself. Oh. No. But um, I'm I'm happy to be here with you. And I I actually had to get up and hit the button and you know sign in and everything. So, it's okay. I, I know I know how to waste time. If there's anything I know how to do, I know how to eat up the clock and give people cover. But I knew I knew you'd be on uh, eventually. And here we are in September. Yeah. The, the the years just drip away. And um, just to get started with this, we were reading an article right before I brought you on, which asked the question. And this is not the question I'm going to ask you because I know what how you would answer. Um, should red states block federal agencies operating with impunity since blue states do the same. Now, I'm sure you are going to say yes, but I have a different question for you instead. Okay. It's a reference to last night's show, um, and we're just going to concentrate on one agency. That's the FBI. How would your home state of Florida or anybody's home state, but Florida in particular, how would they most effectively rid itself of, say, the FBI's presence? Well, let me let me start off by sort of swinging back to your question because I actually watched your show last night. Oh, great. <laughs> Fantastic. You were on our big screen TV. JC brought it in. We were had a friend over for dinner, and he's like, you need to check out Frank. So we put you on the big screen. But um, um, we the red states should not block the federal government because the blue states are doing it. They should block these federal agencies because they're unconstitutional and they have no authority, okay? So let's just be clear, it's not a tit-for-tat thing. And, and I, and I want to say that because just, I don't, I don't want to change the subject on you, but I have a problem with Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, shipping people to Chicago and New York and uh, where Elfie, you know, the illegal aliens to Chicago, New York. I, I have a problem with that. Oh, we're going well, to get around. That, that's a, that's my next big topic with you. Okay. So, so don't right, worry. We'll, so, so rest we'll assured. I got rest a problem assured. with it. And my problem with it has has a tendency to tick some people off. So, you know, I just, we, we got to be clear about some things. We do, I do things. I give advice on doing things. 
that is based on constitution and law and not and principle not based on political parties so you know we don't do things because the red people or the blue people do them we do them because they're the right things to do right correct and so um it's really interesting that you ask because there are there there are a couple ways on how this can and has been working see that's the the big secret because the federal government owned media does not let the american people know that the federal government these agencies have been successfully kicked out of states and how that actually works they don't want you to know that it works they don't want you to know that it's even a possibility because if people knew that they would do it all the time right mm. and so first and foremost the the most readily available mechanism to kick the feds out of your state is through your county sheriff so your sheriff even in the eyes of the supreme court of the united states is the what they call the CLEO, the chief law enforcement officer of the county. There is no executive higher in authority in your county than the uh, sheriff. So your sheriff outranks your governor in your county. Your sheriff outranks the president of the United States in your county. There's no higher executive authority in your county than the sheriff. And because your sheriff, and this, this applies to 99% of America. You've got places like Delaware and certain counties that have, have stupidly eliminated the authority of the sheriff. But in the 99% of the places where the sheriff still is a constitutional representative of the people, this is how it works. And so because the sheriff is a constitutional representative of the people, the sheriff does not have a duty to enforce the law. The sheriff has a duty to defend the rights of the people. His oath is not to the law, and I say his just out of, you know, um, gender convenience, not because whatever some snowflake's going to do out there, but your sheriff does not take an oath to enforce the laws. Your sheriff takes an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state. And there are sheriffs, quite a few of them, that in America that understand that, and they have kicked the feds out of their counties and prevented them from exercising uh, unconstitutional authority and serving unconstitutional warrants. And it has happened. I don't know what, I don't know if you can pull it up, Frank, but um, my drive. website, noncompliantmovie.com, yep. we have... Uh, new trailers for our sequel to Noncompliant that's coming out in October. And it's Noncompliant 2. It's actually all about the sheriff. So uh, I don't know if you can pull it up and Always. play it or if you even want to. How long is it? give you I, this kind a, of an idea of what we're talking about. This is a minute right here, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to play this right now. I don't know if you'll hear it or not, but I'll just let you know when it's done playing. Okay, sounds all right. great. All right, hold on one second. Let me play this. Got a voicemail on the church phone. The voicemail was from the New Mexico State Police and the officer said that New Hope Revival Church is non-essential and must shut down. 
I knew I needed to connect with the sheriff. I knew it was the chief law enforcement of the region. I remember uh, getting to attend uh, uh, Chris Ann Hall uh, seminar in Albuquerque, and, and she had talked about the, the, the Shire Reeves. And I said, listen, I want to know if you'll stand for God rights. And he looked me right in the eyes and he goes, Pastor, I will defend you even if it means I got to go to jail myself. I, li I like the feeling of that one. I love the feeling that one gives me. Damn. And now, 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 let's think. Now, this comes out when? October. Uh, in October. The sheriff. NC two. Non-compliant yeah, two. The sheriff. Non-compliant movie two. It's called the sheriff. And what we are doing? It's a documentary like our first non-compliant. I know you saw the first non-compliant. Mm -hmm. So it's a documentary style film. Uh, where we go through the teaching, part of the teaching that I do for sheriffs across the country. I've taught sheriffs and deputies from all 50 states. I have uh, taught them in big conferences and in a county-by-county county kind of forum, and it's a three-hour course, but what we do is we take the first hour where I lay out the history of the sheriff, which explains the role and the duty of the sheriff not to be a blind enforcer of commands or laws, but to be a defender of the people's rights against criminals and overreaching government. And so it highlights that training that we give to the sheriffs. And then in documentary style, we interview sheriffs that have actually stood against government, un unlawful, unconstitutional governor, government authority. Some of it's at the state level, some of it's at the federal level. One of the sheriffs that we highlight is a sheriff by the name of Brad Rogers from Elkhart, Indiana, who kicked the USDA and the FDA out of his county for effectuating unconstitutional warrants on his Amish farmers. Wow. So I don't know if you've covered this you know, this just utter tyrannical travesty against the Amish farmer that's happening right now. But the, but the USDA and the FDA have been doing that for years, and they're not doing it anymore in Elkhart, Indiana, because they've been excommunicated. Wow. So, so okay. Let me, let me ask you this then. So aside from an act, because I, I would have to imagine that a state legislature has uh, just as much uh, uh, ability to expel, let's say, the, oh, again, for instance, the FBI from the state. I have to imagine they would be able to do that, but can a sheriff just show up to a field office and say, pack your shit, get out? Well, the sheriff, you know, the sheriff really couldn't do that, but what he does is more effective, okay? The sheriff says, you can exercise no authority and you have no jurisdiction in my county without my permission. Mm, okay. And that's what Brad Rogers did. He actually wrote a letter to the USDA and the FDA and said, uh, if your agents come into my county and don't get my permission before they start serving any of these warrants, I'm actually going to arrest your your agents for trespass on my citizens' land, and you will have to bail your agents out of my jail. Now, this, this is incredible. It really is. And, it, and it, it's happening all over America, but you don't get to hear about it because it's not the narrative that people that the that the people in charge 
want you to see. And that's why this is our second documentary. Because Noncompliant, if you haven't seen Noncompliant yet, you need to go see it. It's a free nonprofit movie. You don't it's at no cost to you. I mean it costs us a lot, but at no cost to you. And so you can watch it at no cost, and then you understand the background for separation of power and the limited, I mean, the extremely limited authority that the federal government constitutionally has. Then, with noncompliant to the sheriff, you understand the power of the people to deny the federal government a pretended jurisdiction. That's what they do. They run around with a pretended jurisdiction. That's okay. So now here's the one thing. Prior to the release, we have to work this out offline. But prior to the release of the sheriff installment of non-compliant film, uh, you have to give me some kind of a raw file for the first one so that we can finally do a group viewing on the Quite Frankly yeah. Network. That would be great because uh, I'll do yeah, that. Yeah, we we have uh, 4K, MP4, whatever you need, we can give you. That would be great because maybe what we'll do is that night you come on, we'll do our October uh, appearance, and then after the show concludes, everybody who's watching can just migrate over to QuiteFrankly.tv and we watch that together for the hour and a half. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, it's only 82 minutes, so it's not even an. An hour and a half. One, so. Yeah, yeah, 120 or something like that. Anyway, yeah. th th see, this is a great, great, great answer. And now I want to move on to another red state, blue state issue. Well, let me finish because just very quickly, your state legislators and your governors can also pass legislation reaffirming. See, they're not actually creating anything. They're just reaffirming the very limited jurisdiction of the federal government. Okay. So there is the state legislature, and there's also the sheriffs. I'm actually working with some state legislators. I won't say where. We're actually drafting that bill. Oh, wow. In states where they have majorities that can make it go? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Hey, will you be able to tell us more when it happens? Oh, yeah. Okay. Public enemy number one, Chris Ann Hall. I love it. This is fantastic. Now, you, Did you know I was on court TV yesterday? No. Doing what? For two hours. Doing what? It, for a, a uh, an interview? Doing. I was uh, one of their guest, uh, a, a lawyer guest, an uh, anal analyst. And what were you analyzing? We had six cases. We were doing the um, kidnapping of the lady in Tennessee. We did the Ohio family. I don't know if you heard about that. It's sort of like Hatfield and McCoy. Do you know that phrase, Hatfield McCoy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have one family that just went on a murder rampage and murdered six members of another family because they were having a family dispute over custody of a kid. And then um, there were some some other things. Oh, we talked about the Parkland shooter, uh, Parkland, Florida, you know, Ro Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooter guy. He was up ha having his sentencing hearing. And I think there was three or four other cases, but it was two hours. It was pretty pretty interesting and and i think that uh, well i'm they're going to invite me back which is it's it's very nice because i've been on a blacklist for so long because of the southern poverty law center i may just be breaking free uh that, that's fantastic you know I, anything that gets more people checking out your streams your work i'm glad i'm glad we we i mean we 
we plateau. We've been plateaued over here for a while too. I mean, whenever yeah. we are exposed to people, we we usually keep them on. So retention is great. But you know, even though I have not been deplatformed in a major way, I've also been uh, tucked into a nice cozy corner for for a while. It seems that way. But mm-hmm. I, I'm happy to hear that that is uh, is developing for you. You certainly deserve it. I keep taking up your time. I'm sorry. No, no. Hey, listen, we got as long as you have. But I have two major questions. The first one, now that we're talking red state, blue state, and it's something you already brought up. It's been going on for several months now. I saw you post about it recently on Instagram as well. Here's what you, you, you put a map up, and, uh, and, and here's what it says. Dear Texans, when Abbott uses your tax dollars to send illegals deeper into the U.S., he's helping them invade. Geography says in the end you are surrounded. If Abbott can send them to New York, he can send them back across the border. Now, I... Um, and I was funny because I saw JC, your husband, he said something. He said, when it was one bus load to D.C., it was funny. Now it's grown into its own caravan. Texas is now a taxpayer-funded way station. And I got to say, on that point, even I thought the initial sound bites from New York uh, Mayor Eric Adams proclaiming that the impact was such a of this some kind of a surge like this was very negative on all aspects of life in New York. But the novelty quickly wore off. Um, so so here so let me just ask you what are say Texas's responsibility and powers to police the border if the federal government is not just delinquent in their duties but actively involved in aiding an invasion because helping the feds sure seems counterintuitive at this point Yeah so this is a big problem and a big argument that I'm actually having with Abbott and his administration uh they're like well it we we can't we can't push them we can't ship them back across the border in mexico because it's illegal well i'm sorry it's a violation of 8 usc 1324 to ship them across the united states so if you really think that putting illegal aliens back across the border is illegal you have to understand shipping them to chicago is illegal too so you have to reconcile which law you want to break and in my humble opinion if that's your view that you're breaking a law either way, why would you aid in their invasion? I, I just don't understand that. It makes absolutely no sense. But here's the key, Frank. It is not against the law for Abbott to send them across, back across the border. As a matter of fact, it is Abbott's duty to send them back across the border. And this is not just an Abbott duty. This is everybody's duty. And this is part of of what we are not taught about how our constitutional republic works, how this American union is supposed to work. You know, we are not colonies in a Washington DC kingdom. We are not subject to to receiving permission from the federal government to do anything. We are 50 independent sovereign countries who have voluntarily come together to form a union and we have chosen to delegate certain authority to the federal government now one of those authorities is to protect us from invasion but you must remember the tenth amendment tells us exactly how this is set up it says the powers not delegated to the United States are reserved to the states. 
So the power the federal government has, Frank, is a delegated authority. That word delegate means a temporary transfer of trust or authority from a higher power to a lower power. It is a temporary trust. We surrendered nothing to the federal government. It's like an employer hiring an employee to do a job. If I own a restaurant, and I mean I own it with true property ownership, if I were Superwoman, and in my restaurant I make burgers, fries, and milkshakes, if I were Superwoman, I could do all that for all my customers all by myself, but I can't. So I hire people. I hire a burger guy, I hire a shake guy, I hire a fry guy, right? I have all the power as the owner to help me execute these duties. I delegate some of my power to each of my employees. That's what the word delegate means. So what happens if one day the burger guy shows up and says, I ain't making no burgers. Do I have to hang a, hang a sign on the door to my apologizing to my customers that the burger guy doesn't want to make burgers today so we don't have any burgers? No. What I do is I fire the burger guy for not doing his job. So when he leaves, Frank, do I have to hang a sign on the door that says, Mom, sorry, customers, my burger guy left. And when he left, he took all the burger power with him so we don't get to make any burgers. No burgers today. No because I only delegated that authority to the burger guy. When I fire him, when he refuses to do the job I have hired him to do, and I fire him, the power comes back to me because I am the owner of it. Now, the states created the federal government. They delegated power to the federal government to do a function for them. The federal government is refusing to do that job. It is now the duty of the states and the responsibility of the states created by the people to take that power back and do it themselves. Every state in the union has a vested interest in what happens in the border. Every state. So Texas has to defend their border. Um, Arizona, New Mexico, California, they all have to do that. But every state in the union should be compacting with these border states to help them do that and recognize that the people they hired, the federal government to do that, are not going to do the job. We don't just sit around and get invaded because our employees don't want to do their job. We still have an obligation. And here's the kicker. Twice in the Texas Constitution does it say that the state of Texas government is responsible for repelling invasions in Texas. In one, in Article Three, uh, I, I don't remember the te Texas Constitution how it's numbered, but in the article that creates the authority for the governor, it specifically says the governor is charged with repelling invasion. So. This is not what the governor of Texas is doing. The governor of Texas is aiding and embedding an invasion of every state in the union. And it's not funny. Maybe, I, I will admit, when I first saw it, I thought it was funny. But it's not funny anymore. And now I point this out. You're actually helping this invasion. Do you know the attack I've been under? by conservative people, even people who call themselves 
constitutional? Because no. I'm not supporting Abbott poking the libs in the eye. I'm like, okay, Frank, can we look at this for a second? Sure. Do you think the Biden administration is insulted by what Greg Abbott is doing? Or do you the think the Biden administration is going, ha, 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 we got him to do our dirty work for us? Well, I would have to say, coming from a person who lives about five or six miles or less from a county airport, which has, by cover of nightfall, been receiving thousands of people that have been given first-class flights from the border— as a part of a very secretive federal scheme that was only shed light on in the last six or seven months or so, that I do not think that this is hurting them in any way. And I catch, I've, I've caught a, a, a bunch of that flack from people who say I'm not seeing the bigger picture either, Chris Ann. Um, I, I mean, but the picture makes no sense, especially since we are talking more and more as a as a public. It's great that mm -hmm. this is part of the conversation more and more in public, but we're talking more and more about the necessity and the mechanics of state nullification. Right. Uh, yet, yet, Bussing illegal aliens deeper into the country is somehow a great way to defy federal open borders policies. I just, I just don't see how it makes sense. But apparently, we're not no, seeing the big picture. And again, Frank, you're 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 not breaking law by sending them back across the border. You're actually enforcing federal law that's on the books, right? As a governor of the state, as a state in the union. You have an obligation to the other members of the union to submit yourself to the authority that's been delegated to the federal government, to submit yourself to the laws that are created, as Article 6 says, uh, pursuant to the Constitution. We delegated protection from invasion to the federal government. They've created laws regarding that. Abbott has a duty to enforce those federal laws. Just because the Supreme Court doesn't follow the Constitution and has somehow determined that it's not within the authority of a governor to actually enforce the federal laws that are on the books doesn't actually make it against the law. The Supreme Court are not lawmakers, and they are not the Constitution, and they are not the rule of law. Their job is to compare the Constitution to the law and the law to the Constitution. If they get it wrong, we're not supposed to comply with what they do when they get it wrong. This whole idea that, that by the way, I'm not, I'm not sure if we, uh, we've talked about this on your show before. Which? This whole idea that the Supreme Court is the ultimate arbiter and somehow is infallible was an error that was created in 1833. And for nearly 200 years, we've been taught that you can't argue with the Supreme Court, which is just completely, excuse my French, asinine. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, we've had that conversation many times, but it keeps popping up because it's obvious it was uh, it was the, the bane of, of all things. It's been used. It's just a... Uh, 
it, it's a catch-all now, and mm-hmm. and that's where we're at. You know, the other thing, I'm glad we brought that up. There's really nothing more to say about the whole situation. I wanted to just uh, to make sure I had it all right as far as what the powers and the authorities of border states are. I mean, every state in the union, whether they're landlocked by other union members or if they are touching international borders, they have a right to defend their borders. Border states, they, border states obviously have a double responsibility because they are the edge of our nation, of our union. Um, right. So when you said, uh, one last question on this, you said that it is incumbent upon all members of the union to actually form a compact with border mm-hmm. states to help them defend the border. Does that mean that uh, th- that that Colorado and Wyoming and Rhode Island, uh, if they cared as much as they should, should be sending some of their own, um, you know, uh, guard troops down there to help defend the border until the fed, the feds start uh, taking things seriously. What does that compact uh, look like? Actually, in reality, they can form a written contract. That's what a compact is, is a written contract. Under Article 4 of the Constitution, the states are allowed to compact with each other without the permission of Congress when there is an imminent danger that they have to respond to. And you can't get any more imminent than what we have at the border. And the fact that that the federal government is ignoring it allows the states to come together in a written contract. Okay, I've actually written the contract. Back when Obama was president, I was contacted by some senators in the state of Texas to draft an interstate compact where the states sign on and share the responsibility, the expense, and the, and the resources to protect the border. And so what it is, it's just a written contract where the states sign on and it becomes a legislative issue now. The states apportion certain amounts of their resources, whether they be monetarily or manpower or equipment or whatever, to this compact with the border states to secure the border. I've draft, I have the compact written in my hard drive. The problem was, um, you know, Obama didn't stay president and we couldn't get the governor of Texas to push it through. And as soon as Trump became president, the Republicans weren't interested in doing the compact anymore. And so now that Abbott is governor, who is a completely feckless governor. He is a complete waste of political space in the state of Texas. He is antithetical to everything that is Texas, which just makes my blood boil because I followed the Texas uh, primaries very closely. The Texas people had an amazing option for governor. I mean, they could have had a governor, a true Texas governor who embodied the true Texas principles, but they all got on the Republican freaking bandwagon and voted this idiot back into office. So now they're stuck with either Abbott or Beto. And, you know, now you have to do the lesser of two evils, which I'm sorry, in the end, Texas is going to get the same thing. The only thing Texas isn't going to get by electing Abbott instead of Beto is they may get to keep their guns. But the border is is open and Abbott is an idiot and he will not allow other states to help him either. 
Well, not much more to be said there. I'm glad I asked everything I did, though. Um, and if I come up with anything else, I'll make sure that we make it as uh, make it into an addendum the next time you're on. But uh, let me get on to something else now. Um, another thing that has happened since the last time you were on the show, Chris Ann, is that there have been very, very um, bla- stark, I should say, or very in-your-face and shocking COVID reversals. Uh, especially at the, DV, uh, the the CDC. The CDC has effectively put vaccinated and unvaccinated on equal footing with no discernible advantage for getting shot up. Um, there, there's a couple other things that have been have been made public now in the last three to four weeks. But here's my, my main question for you, if you have anything else you want to weave into there, go right ahead, as you know. Is there a window opening for Americans who have an authentic, wrongful termination gripe at this point, both military and civilian, because um, that we have arrived at this point two years a year and a half down the road, whatever, you know, wherever you, you want to count this from like December 2020 on when the shots started becoming more and more in the public, um, the public consciousness. <clears throat> Are there really um, good wrongful termination windows of opportunity here for tens of thousands of people? I think it's bigger than wrongful termination. I believe when we start figuring when the american people start accepting and realizing the adverse reactions there's also going to be monetary damages for people who were coerced into taking this and had medical problems afterwards um we're watching uh i just out this is brand new i just did this today it hasn't been op- widely released but i will tell you about it you can check it out on my social media later but i worked with a former jag attorney and we drew up what we call this is what is called a memorandum for all commanders charged with counseling and discharging concerned service members and this memorandum is all about commander's duty and authority to refuse to enforce unlawful orders. Let me just read the first paragraph. Is that okay? Can I just please, read that? Please, yeah, please. It says, every person in command in a command position must know and understand, based upon the following facts, legal opinions, and laws, that obeying orders is not a valid defense if they enforce the COVID-19 ma- vaccine mandate or impose any adverse consequence upon those who hold sincerely held religious beliefs contrary to the mandate. Commanders must know they could be held personally and individually accountable and subject to all military and civil law consequences for their actions. Therefore, commanders who enforce these mandates will be choosing to intentionally deny fundamental rights of military members, even if they believe they are doing so to obey orders. And so this whole memorandum is about how obeying orders is not going to be a defense for those military commanders who are pushing people out of the service and demanding and coercing them to take this vaccination when coercion is against the law okay let's just be very clear coercion we're not even talking about mandates coercion of these vaccines are a violation of federal law and for our military service members they're a violation of ucmj now we already have had military panels a rule that a commander did not was not um was not 
breaking the law when he refused to enforce the COVID vaccine mandate on his, uh, his the seamen under his command. The three board panel said this naval commander was actually correct in disobeying the order because it is an unlawful order. And that's what you're gonna find spreading throughout America. In North Carolina, uh, the North Carolina Supreme Court just held that nurses can be held individually and personally liable for monetary damages if a patient is injured and the nurse cannot use i was obeying an order as a defense and not only that so the, not only that but have you has has it uh, come up in all the work that you're doing the fact that this never uh this never came off of emergency use status yes that this is yeah, co- see, this is coercion to take experimental substances right see that's that's the whole basis for the memorandum that we that we have and it's the same in federal law it's actually um, I don't think I have that page of it with me. I have to put my glasses on. You can Uh-oh. see my glasses. You're so studious. Um, there are three things that fall into place when you have an emergency use authorized drug, which means that the feds, the FDA hasn't approved it officially. They approved it on emergency conditions. Now, let me see if I can remember this off the top of my head. Number one, uh, you cannot coerce you can only suggest if you coerce you can't have your job you can't have this job you can't be promoted you're going to be kicked out that's coercion coercion is a violation of the law so if it's a if it's eua number one they cannot use coercion they can only suggest number two you have to inform all employees according to federal law of the benefits and the risks of taking the emergency use authorized drug. And number three, you must give them the option to refuse. No coercion, risks and benefits, and the option to refuse. And anybody who violates that is violating federal law. And this is what's gonna come down because they're not going to be able to ignore the adverse reactions. I mean, you've got tens of thousands, globally hundreds of thousands of people dropping dead, okay? I mean, just like mysteriously dropping dead. You're not gonna be able to hide this forever and there's going to have to be a liability and accountability somewhere. Now, here's why I know this is gonna come out the way it is because the governments themselves are not going to assume liability or accountability. So they're going to establish ways for the corporations and the people to be the scapegoats. Hmm. And I'll give you one piece of evidence that we actually put here in, in this memorandum. Let me read it to you. It's item number seven. The only person, according to federal law, that can legally mandate the COVID-19 vaccines available in the United States is the president of the United States. Now, that's just for military service members. That's not for the people. So in the military, by federal law, uh, which is 10 U.S.C. uh, 11-11057A, 
for the military, the only person in the United States that can mandate a UA, an EUA is the president of the United States, right? And to date, the president has refused and no such order has been issued by the president. A person in position of command must ask, if the president has the authority to mandate this vaccine, why has he not done so? And the answer is clear, because they know the liability that's attached to it and they won't take it. They're waiting out as long as they can, and they're gonna then shuffle all the accountability on the business owners that mandated it, on the hospitals that mandated it, on the doctors who mandated it. So everybody, you know how poop rolls downhill, right? Yeah. Everybody downhill from the government is going to say, well, but the government said, and then they're going to say, boom. Well, you know, obeying the government is not a defense. We did that in Nuremberg. And you know what's insane, Frank? Two years ago, I did a show about this. Two years ago, I said, don't mandate this. If you mandate this, you will be individually and personally liable. And this is why, A, B, C, D. And everybody just pooped me and they just said, she's nuts. And here we are once again. I wonder. I, I, I mean, obviously that's going to come. Uh, this, is, this will be a red pill moment that will come at amazing personal financial expense for business owners all over the country, whether the the, the, uh, the uh, business is small, medium, or large, it, it will definitely be a wake-up call, but a very expensive wake-up call if that's exactly how this, this rolls out. Um, now, I, I do want to end with one thing, and that is silver linings. I'm, or, or, you yeah. know what, before silver linings, I want to ask you something else. Before I called you up, I also did a short little, um, a short little story about uh, one child of nearly 375,000 in, in New York City who have now been effectively, um, uh, uh, I, I would say, excluded from extracurricular sports leagues in the city and music programs and that. all that. Yeah. And I say, you know, that's one of those things where that, that sucks, but it's a teachable moment. Uh, as far as learning what uh, what authority gone wrong and uh, is all about, and how something on a small city level, it, it, you expand that out to a national or a global level, how much worse it's going to get. But I think also a teachable moment on on what can be done outside of a city for people just getting together, playing sports. I know that doesn't supplement all the tens and tens of billions of dollars of of scholarship funds that come along with. Um, with with uh, athletics in school, which is usually a way out for a lot of inner city uh, kids, which is sad in itself. But what, what do you think about the opportunity that's created for when cities like New York does this to hundreds of thousands of children who obviously they and their parents still have a conscience? Well, here's here's the big <laughs> learning lesson and. And I have to take a deep breath because this is such an unpopular perspective. But what we really need to learn is this is the consequence when government's in charge of teaching our children. You are now subject to whatever their whim and their demand may be. America was never designed for government to teach children. We're not supposed to have government schools. 
we're supposed to have community schools and the and and the whole idea that oh well chris and you know for for making minority people have substandard schools you know that is a false premise built on utter ignorance prior to our government's adopting what we call compulsory education i mean just look at the statistics and i've looked at them i've studied this do you know that the literacy rate for minorities in new york was around 90 percent at the turn of the uh, 18th century 18th century yes into the 19th century right going into the 19th century the literacy rate of minorities in new york was like 90 percent you don't even find 90 percent literacy in in upper level uh economies in america when you enter into the public school system and the real the, the real knee kicker is the fact that you have to understand the entire government school system this is going to be totally contrary to your whole silver linings thing but the whole, <laughs> the entire platform and the entire foundation for government school is not literacy it's it's the exact opposite on my website because people aren't going to believe me but on my website chrisannhall.com there's an article stolen education stolen children stolen future all it is is a timeline. It's not me, you know, inventing stuff or interpreting stuff. It's just a timeline. It's just the timeline of the creation of the American school system and the quotes of the people who formed it. And what we the the people that we call the fathers of the American education the uh, system were all Marxist communists who said things like literacy is overrated that we need to not teach reading and writing and arithmetic but we need to teach children to be socialized and so um um john dewey who is called the father of the american education system said that that literacy was not only rated overrated it was damaging to people's eyesight and their mental capacity so you have an entire system that was built to make the people illiterate and the first director of the general board of education which is the precursor to the department of education the first director of the general board of education in the in the early 1900s said it's our goal to create a docile people a docile people in society who yield to our ever molding hand okay that was a hundred years ago 115 years ago that's the goal of the government education system. And so now we're reaping what they've sown. And so we have to understand that the solution has to be going back to community schools. We don't need government funding schools. We need community funding schools. We need parents and teachers. We need entrepreneurs. We need Christian businessmen and women who are taught the mindset of joyful giving to create scholarships for people, to create ways to get educated. Uh, I, I am under the firm belief that Americans do not give because government takes. And they figure, oh, well, the government's taking all these tax dollars from me. They'll give it. I don't need to give. 
We need to break that mentality and take care of each other and stop claiming that the government is our provider because here you go, in the history of mankind, government as the provider and the ruler has been this many times a, a benevolent one and this many times a tyrannical one. So you want to shoot, you want to play craps and shoot your odds that you're going to get this one? Odds are in your lifetime you're going to see more of this than this. Mm. So it's time for us to come together and as a community. My goodness, what what kind of stupid crap have you seen people create million-dollar GoFundMes for? Oh, you know, Why can't yeah. we create a, a charitable organization amongst the population of American people to provide education for people? And 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 really govern over it in a charitable way. You know, I, I was I was thinking about that not too long ago. Again, every once in a while, I think about how how highly taxed and regulated we are. But year in year out, still the United States is one of the most, if not the most, charitable yeah. countries every year. And I think to myself, with with how much is already taken from us in a compulsory way, imagine what we would give if we had more of it to work with. And more of what is ours to work with. And you just said there, you're talking about how, how many things have been, how many millions of dollars have been written, uh, raised for one thing or another on, on Give, Send, Go or GoFundMe or whatever. I remember not too long ago, maybe last month, June, July, do you remember there was a pizza guy, a young boy, who ran into a burning building while he, while he was on his pizza route and he saved like, I don't know how many kids came out and then he was sent right to the hospital and he had burns and, and um, he needed like $150,000. It was gonna be a lot of money in the hospital and, and immediately the nihilist leftist mob out there used that as an example to say only in America can you save five children and then get saddled with a hospital bill. Well, uh, about a week later, he raised or was raised for him over five hundred thousand dollars. That yeah. they they over quadrupled what he needed because just from the free market, from people, from the people emptying their pockets. That kind of coordination that happens all the time, um, as opposed to you know dying waiting in line for a service in in Canada somewhere and uh, and getting euthanized when you don't have the money to to pay up. So yeah, there's a lot of nihilism out there, and people don't have perspective of of what's really inside the heart of the average person, let alone the average American. Yeah, absolutely. That is absolutely true. I do. Um I do a, a news program. I'm a contributor for a news program called Victory News, and I do it twice a week. And, you know, what we, you and I like to do together about the silver lining thing uh, is what we do on that show every single day. Every single newscast is, is ended with an example of what we would really consider American exceptionalism, the guy running into the building or people uh, taking uh, responsibility for another person's debt or, you know, whatever. And these stories, it's kind of like we talked about before, Frank, this sheriff, you know, nullifying federal authority in their county. It happens, but you don't hear about it. Well, guess what? The media does not want you to know how generous Americans are. The media does not want you to know 
how loving Americans are. The media does not want you to know that we're kind, that we're considerate people, that we are not filled with hatred for each other, that we actually love our neighbors. So you walk through any community together and you have red, yellow, black, and white living in the same neighborhoods together, helping each other. Somebody gets sick, they mow the grass, you know? I mean, we haven't even been living in our neighborhood six months. And we have already had help from our neighbors with certain things, and we've reached out and helped our neighbors with certain things. You see, that's really the American spirit, Frank. But they have to keep that secret. They have to hide it in order to deny it because chaos is their currency, and they get power from division, right? Mm. They Here's the wicked thing that they do, Frank. We are distinct individual people. We are distinct people with distinct backgrounds and distinct um, understandings of life and different uh, uh, principles and backgrounds and, and education and experiences. And that's a good thing. Being distinct as an individual within your community is a beautiful thing because everybody then comes together, shares their distinctions, and you get the best out of everything. But these people who 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 actually profit, they profit off chaos and profit off evil and darkness. And I don't want to even I mean, I don't really go out there on a limb like this that much. But after Biden's speech this week, I don't think we can we can actually deny the satanic influence that has overtaken our our central government. Hmm. These people live and thrive off hate and evil and wicked and dark things. And they want, that's the vision they want for America. It's sort of like misery wants company, right? So they're miserable and they're wicked and they want everybody to be that because that's their profit, that's their currency. But that's not who America is. And all you have to do is step outside your house and ignore the narrative because here's the thing. I had this thought the other day. The LGBTQ plus 27,000, whatever it is now. Do you know how much of the population that is? I would say... Like uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Like that. But the media and the wickedness in, poli in politics want you to believe that that's the majority. See, they have become experts in turning molehills into mountains. And all we have to do is get outside, unplug, and meet your neighbor. Talk to the people in your community. Frank, you know, I don't think there's probably anybody in our circles that has traveled the United States as much as I have. I'd agree. Seven years, I did 260 meetings in 22 states every single year. Every single year. I have seen more of America and more of Americans than 90% of America can even claim. I want to tell you without feeling like I'm exaggerating, I know more of America than NBC, MSNBC, Fox News, and any politician on this planet. And I will tell you everywhere I go, everywhere I go for seven years, 
22 states every single year. I have never met a single person that embodied the narrative. Every person I have met over the 13 years of my travel has been the exact opposite of that narrative, with the exception. I shouldn't say I haven't met a single. There have been a few, but those few have been so skewed by what they hear, by these these extreme ideologies, right? I'm not trying to deny they exist, but I'm telling you, they are so small. We shouldn't be giving them as much attention as we do. Uh, and, and that is one of the greatest silver linings we could have ended with tonight. And I, I'm so glad you hit on all of that, especially the, uh, as you said, a very demonic showing in front of Independence Hall with the the ghoulish lighting and holy hell. I, I, well, anyway, we... we you all, know, Frank, yeah. marketing people and directors of television shows, I don't know if you knew this. I actually didn't know this. Do you know that television shows have directors? Oh, yes. Do you know the NFL TV has a director? Yes. Okay, so you have to know they had television and and theater directors that were doing that. They spend millions of dollars and millions of hours determining the colors of everything. That was not by accident. No, it wasn't. I I, I think I even mentioned it at some point uh, last night where I said, you know, if you, depending on what, uh, what directors you follow, whether it be Kubrick or, or mm-hmm. you know, David Lynch or a- anybody that, you know, especially the very heady ones, every, the, 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 the color of every coffee mug that is in frame is picked for a very specific reason. Yes. Yes. So there's, there was... Were n- you talking about that last night? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's why it's ringing familiar to me. Well, I mean, that, that particular comment, I did not go into the fact that, as you just put out there, that every television production has directors and producers, and this is, and, and as far as scouting out location and camera angles, the entire thing is plotted out. They are not going to work with whatever Independence Hall is projecting that night. They are going no. to tell them what to project. That was exactly what they were looking to get those V for Vendetta shots, establishing shots, and they got them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it, it is, um, it's true. It's true stuff. But Chris Ann, I can't wait for our, our October up, appearance together because that means it'll be right before your sheriff's installment of noncompliant film comes out. And uh, for, from now until then, let everybody know what they can find coming from you on com and elsewhere. I'm so sad we're over because I actually learned some history today, Frank, that blew my mind. Well, and well, I was going to share it with you guys, but can you share it with us in five minutes? Yeah, I can. Please go for it. It's it's only eight twenty five. Okay, so you you talked about the special master, right? No, I haven't yet. Oh, I talked about the appointment yesterday. It was a, I briefly read over it, but uh, yeah, yeah, we we, okay. we put it onto the record. So very very quickly, the special master is not it's not an ordinary thing. It's actually a usual thing for a judge to appoint a special master as an as a third-party arbiter to determine records and to advise the judge based and and looking for civil rights issues, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the history. So I I was, Victory News wanted me to do a spot on the special master, so I always research this ass out. Listen to what I found. Are you ready? Yeah. A special master was appointed to investigate allegations of voter fraud in, uh, that occurred in 1948 when Lyndon B. Johnson 
won the Senate seat for Texas by an 86 vote victory. Now, check this out. This is crazy. On the day of the election, Johnson appeared to have lost the Democratic runoff. This is 1948. Appeared to to lose the Democratic runoff primary to Stevenson, his opponent. Six days after the polls closed, 202 additional ballots were found in Precinct 13 of of Jim Wells County. 200 for Johnson and two for Stevenson. (laughs) These resulted in a victory for Johnson and his nomination as the Democrat in the upcoming general Senate election. Now watch this. This is crazy. The recount handled by the Democratic State Committee, Central Committee, took a week. Johnson was announced the winner by 87 votes out of 988,295 in an extremely narrow margin. Suspicion, this is like 1948, right? Democrat Party, 1948. Suspicions arose that the 202 late votes were fraudulent. The added names, the 202 names, were in alphabetical order. And written with the same pen oh, what? and the same handwriting. And some of the persons that were included in this list of 202 sw- insisted that they had not voted that day. And yet it was just accepted? This, well, they this... challenged it to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court denied jurisdiction because, you see, primaries are party events. They're not civic issues there's no government interest in a in a primary because a primary is not a civic role the primary is the private corporate club electing the representatives that will represent them in the general election which is the civic thing so if it happened in the general election then there would have been jurisdiction in the federal court but because this is primaries are actually private corporate functions there's no jurisdiction for the government to become involved in it so the democrat party did their own internal investigation but it never went anywhere wow i i it doesn't surprise Oh, no, no. Now, I, I knew that Johnson was a pretty corrupt and crude man, but... Oh, vile. The most vile man to ever hold the office of president. I, and I, I know. And, well, to, to even make that claim is, uh, is, is quite impressive with some of the men that have, have uh, occupied the office. But it's, uh, it, that's just incredible. The, once again, the brazen nature of being able to have the same pen, the same hand, write out hundreds of ballots... And just say, well, listen, we got to try. It's, wow. Well, hey, a little bit of history. Those who do not know their history are doomed to repeat its mistakes. Even from the standpoint, Chris Ann, of being able to open up your mind enough to believe it's possible that there are people that would do something as dastardly. Of course, there has been people that are willing to do that for as long as ballot boxes existed, but still... It's yeah, just, uh, well, and that's the point, Frank. I've been trying to teach people that voter fraud has been going on for a long time. The whole reason women started, uh, states started denying the right of women to vote was a voter fraud issue. It had nothing to do with them being women. It was a voter fraud issue. And so what we have now is a bunch of people running around with their hair on fire thinking that voter fraud and fake ballots were invented to overturn Donald Trump. No, it wasn't an invention. 
They perfected this years ago. Thank you for everything. But we did such great, um, great analysis tonight. Great conversation. Ended with some great history. I feel exercised and uplifted. Thank you for everything again, uh, Chris Ann. And I, uh, well, I can't... thank you for the extra time you gave me today. Oh, this is it was beautiful. When everybody says, "Hey, I have a historical mind blower for you," I said, "Please don't go anywhere." So th- <laughs> thank you for adding that in there because I think we would have missed out if we didn't get that. Well, God bless you guys. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be with you. And I know we're going to come back in October. Make sure you get Janet to, or, or Eternity to get that on the schedule for us. We'll do. We will do that. And uh, chrisannhall.com, Liberty First University. And, uh, and, and I will make sure we'll talk afterwards. And I, I need a raw file of that, of uh, yeah. noncompliance so we can get it on the network one night and, uh, and to celebrate the new one coming out. So, good night, everybody. I mean, oh, good night, Chris Ann. Good night. <laughs> okay, take care. I have a little bit more to do. There you go, Chris Ann Hall. Another wonderful evening with Chris Ann Hall. So, let's go on a quick intermission. We come back, we do the last half hour, your super chats. Let's see if I got enough time for the Glenn Greenwald piece. If not, maybe I keep it for, I don't know, it's pretty important. Maybe we can get through it. We will see. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome to Intermission. We'll we'll be right back. Yeah. Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? All right. So we got a uh, 26 minutes left. 
We should be able to get some done. Let's just get into the super chats to see what people are doing. Answer some questions. Hang out a little bit. Sounds good to me. First one up is from Sicily is me on Rumble. Says, geez, Rumble has got to get their Rumble rants um, off to the side. They have to. They have to do this. Governor Hochul is strangling people's Second Amendment right to carry. I'm hoping advocates for gun rights are bringing lawsuits against her. Hoping it goes all uh, going well. Uh, all the way to the Supreme Court again. She is an evil bitch. An absolute beaver-faced bitch. Evil bitch. And, and, and for Lee Zeldin to be so neck and neck with her at this point... Uh, in September now, I understand it's New York and, you know, the, the blue will probably prevail in the end. But the fact that she is so unpalatable. Oh, what a... I, I, I'm trying to think of what she smells like. What perfume does she overuse? Is it eternity? Is it eternity? I think she probably uses... Like, what does she overuse? Something that gives you a migraine. Take a look at Kathy Hochul's face and email me, if you, especially if you're a lady, and say, uh, Frank, listen, I, I know exactly what perfume she uses or overuses. It's so-and-so. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to like order like a scratch and sniff or something. And I'm going to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is it. Brian Frank one says, anyone that looks, uh, that took the shot made a choice. No one was forced free will. Uh, listen, I, I, I understand it, it comes down to ultimately free will. And if you're a single, if you're a bachelor, um, you know, if you're a single person and you're not supporting anybody, then it's a lot easier to say, okay, well, I'm going to live on a shoestring budget and I'll get myself passed. And whenever things loosen up, I will pursue a, uh, I'll pursue the big bucks again, or I'll find some whatever and go off my way. But I'll tell you, I tell you the things that parents will do for their children. There are some people out there that are just like, oh, give me these vaccines. So we can be done with this virus. Can't wait for the vaccines. Science. Yes, there were people out there like that. But I, um, you know me in broad stroking. I cannot, uh, I can't broad stroke people as just being dumb and, you know, surrendering. the. There's, I'd probably do much more dangerous things than, take a shot of something like that that for for aurora if i felt like it's like her life her way her, you know feeding her was in danger i don't know i didn't feel that pressure i work for myself i didn't feel that pressure now ultimately i don't think i would ever i still wouldn't do it but you know i'm just me i'm me and um and this is a part of the reason why i say this among everything else that happened to us over the last two years which all collectively counts as 2020 were successive acts of war these were successive acts of war um they were it was trauma-based mind control war and biological warfare so um that's what we have all right going over to the quite frankly superchat.com. Stostube says Chris Ann Hall, great 
guest always. Thank you, Frank. We appreciate great independent media. I'm glad you like it. And you know, it also, it's Wednesday night. I know you already missed out on the class, but go to kungfuchannel.com. Rob hasn't been here in, in, in weeks now um, because he's working. Uh, he's working. He's got different you know, professional opportunities that are going on in his life and and the hours are just uh, a little bit inconvenient, but I'm sure something will loosen up and we'll see him again from time to time. Maybe he'll come in for a weekend show. Who knows? But in the meantime, remember Rob's still out there and he's still doing his classes on Wednesdays, Saturday mornings, and he provides much more than just those classes as far as Qigong goes, the full mind-body connection uh that everybody needs to pay some mind to these days. So go to kungfuchannel.com and uh, and keep up with the Joneses over there by getting into one of Rob's classes. Do it. It'd be a great thing for you and for him to see uh, some familiar faces again. Degenerate Dan says, You gagging a bit while talking about Clinton's upskirts was a tiny perfect moment for me. Also, so sorry to hear about your chiropractor. Did Mark Swan start seeing your guy? Creepy. I don't know. Mark Swan could... He could be behind the entire monkeypox uh, pandemic. The, I, he could be. Don't put anything past anybody anymore. Uh, military spouse says our governor is badass, has more courage than anyone in the federal government protecting our borders. Look up Operation Lone Star. He is doing the work that no one else uh, will do. Lone Star. So if you're, are you talking about Abbott? I don't know what Operation Lone Star is, but if he is badass, his um, trafficking operation is a real blemish on his record. Real blemish. And I don't know too much about Texas in-state politics, so I couldn't give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. A complete picture. But I can tell you what is nonsensical and ugly. And the authority Chris Ann Hall is talking about uh, to police your own border, which happens to also be an international border, is real, and it needs to be taken more seriously. I understand you have New Mexico next door. You're probably not going to get much help from them. You got Arizona. That hopefully they have some uh, some go-getters that help that out. And then you have California, which is just a, a wasteland politically. So, yeah, there will be several doors still open, but you got the longest border out there. And that would be a great help. A great help. Oh, uh, let's see. What else do we have here? What else do we have here? Over on Foxhole. Now, tonight we have Rabbit Hole Wednesday. I don't know what we have going on there just yet. I haven't gotten a missive. But at 9 o'clock on QuiteFrankly.tv, we will be live. And it's Rabbit Hole Wednesday. So we can take you where the mind never thought it would go tonight. Interesting, cool, trippy things. That is what Rabbit Hole Wednesdays are all about on QuiteFrankly.tv. So go check it out. While you're there, register for the forum up top. Go to the, the Sponsor Us tab. Become a monthly sponsor. No matter how small it is, it helps out. and It makes a world of difference. This is a, uh, a very healthy audience. And if even 2% of it that has not sponsored us yet does that in the next couple of months, the, the whole world can change. It really can. 
But slow and steady wins the race. I've always been a believer of that. This is why I am always so just so grateful with what I have. And I'm uh, especially being able to meet new members of the audience every week. So the fact that it's growing organically is, is wonderful. Because we are in our cozy little corner. The shadows have consumed us. It's very hard for us to find sometimes. So we got to start lighting some firecrackers. Something. Some, some, some sparklers. A roadside flare. Who knows who comes along and says, Hey, Frank, let me introduce you to my crew. It could happen. It already has. Uh, let's see here. I just got a little bit something on the network programming tonight. It says, All that semen talk... All that, all that semen talk by Chris Ann tonight reminded me of our top secret homosexual camp... Okay, was I not supposed to read that? Don't read the first part out loud because people might think you're gay. That was the that was the postscript at the end. <laughs> okay, well, uh, tonight's Rabbit Hole Wednesday. Tonight's Rabbit Hole Wednesday is Skinwalker Ranch. We have to figure out and finally come to terms with what's going on at Skinwalker Ranch it has to be talked about. So, on Quite Frankly Not TV, around 9 o'clock, get there. A few minutes will go by. We'll play some things to warm you up. Everybody find a nice cozy seat. Skinwalker Ranch. Damn it. Don't read that first part. Could have saved myself an outing. Alright, what else do I have? One last thing. Oh, okay. Through the Pilled. Messages. Tom Ford says, Francis, the Rodham was always that bad, even when young. Yes, well, that's what I read. Carrie Lake, blessings, thank you. Paulie, 9363. Sean Joe, just because, that's Bob. Uh, fuck, P-H-U-C-K. Says, great interview, Frank. Thank you, I have wonderful time. I feel like there are more chit-chats now. I love when I get that comfortable with a guest over a course of several meetings and then then we really get the great things effortlessly Paulie says a chiropractor will take you as far as you will allow Frank oh boy let's see uh, just because says chiropractor will oh I don't know I'm sorry just because his excellent appearance from Chris Ann this evening she was on fire usually is Secret Weapon says, thanks, Chrisanne. Thanks, Frank. Then we got cookies from Stostube, an entire box of cookies. And Curious Patriot rounds out the lineup. Chrisanne is a hero of mine. Thanks, Frankie. Ladies and gentlemen, especially the you, you guys and gals in flyover country, the Pacific Northwest. I mean, Chrisanne goes to 22 states a year. And not the same 22 states a year. She doesn't come to New York very often. <laughs> Uh, or else I would have definitely gone out to sit in on some of her uh, her lectures and had her here in the studio maybe one day as she's passing through New York to get to New Hampshire or something like that. But uh, I would really be on the lookout for all of her appearances because many of you could probably sit in on one of her wonderful lectures at, at, at some point in the following months, years. Keep up with her travel schedule. She probably comes to a state near you. And uh, that's all we got on that end. Okay. I had one other thing here. It was Dan Smith who asked me, Hey, Frank, 
I told you about driving into South Carolina and having the, the pickup truck in front of me with the nut sack swinging from the bumper. Uh, and I said that it was in per- that it you know I would not have nothing noteworthy except for the fact that it was swinging in perfect time to the the song I was listening to. Dan Smith asked me, Frank, what was the song that the nutsack was swinging to? And I I knew exactly which song it was. So it's uh, I think that I don't know how to say this this person this uh, artist's name, but I listen to them a lot. It's N apostrophe two a T O. So I don't know if that's two. With almost like a, a barely visible N or N2 or N2, I don't know what it is. But the, the name of the song is called Croche. I don't think it's Crochet because there's no T at the end of it. I'm very bad with foreign stuff. C-R-O-C-H-E. I think it's a beautiful mix. So it starts building up to this. Okay. So you got your, you got your tempo right. This nutsack was swinging. Big red, big red nutsack. Okay, so I go and I check this out because I have to go find the song now, and I found an official upload of this, like in 2018 somewhere. And what do you, what do you think the, what do you think the default picture is? It's a metronome. Nutsack Metronome, which I have to say is a fantastic name for a band. I don't know what kind of a what kind of a, a band, what kind of a genre the band would write in to have a name Nutsack Metronome, but it might be something punkish. So it has to be something ironic. There's a lot of irony in punk. And it's just good stuff. And it gets bigger. Here, look. Ready? It builds up. Again. Wonderful. I I think that these are so wonderfully constructed, these songs. It gets me into a mood, man. More layers, 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 variations. So that's what the, uh, the now every time this song comes on in my uh, by playlist, by the way, it is on the Quite Frankly mixtape on Spotify. All these songs that I use on the show are, and you can find that on the on-demand section on quitefrankly.tv. I will always think of a nutsack now when I listen to the song. So that's that. Talk about synchronicity. Okay. Uh, you know what? It's 8.48. I definitely do not have time for the Glenn Greenwald piece, which deserves some time to talk. So we'll talk about this some other time. I will do that on... Um, I'll do that on maybe Friday? Maybe I'll do that Friday night before I bring Corey Daniel on for our paranormal talk about the deserts in the American Southwest. And the Grand Canyon and buried gold. All the things that we did weeks ago when Matt was here. We're going to get somebody who knows the area. Who is an established tour guide. Not only of just the geography. But of all the occult history of the area. That's what Corey Daniel of the Phoenix Enigma is all about. Okay. 
Um, you know what, then? It's 8.50. Let's take some calls. I haven't heard people's voices in a couple of weeks now. 914-595-6953. What do you got for me? It's the last 10 minutes of the show. I want to hear from people. I'm also in the Discord in the on-air live jump in we got a live waiting room we got a joke line that's still there the international line and first-time callers who's going to be my first call back from vacation huh who's it going to be 914-595-6953 i'm going to save all my notes about the fourth turning for the next time that we're on together more of that later That'll go in with so many other things. I hope that the the Skype is not bottlenecked already. Probably needs to be dusted off. If there is such a thing to do. Nothing yet. 914-595-6953. You're giving me a chance to organize all my notes over here. I really appreciate that, of course. Here we go. 931, you're on the air. Who's this? <laughs> Ruben. Ruben, welcome to the show, man. Let me pause this. How's it going? It's going it's going well. I'm I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be in the swing of things and I'm happy to hear from you. So what's on your mind tonight? So I just had a little discussion with my wife. Uh she just found out she might be Mexican. She might be. She's telling me, Oh, I'm Indian, I'm Indian. It's like, well what's Native American? I'm like, well, that's all Mexicans were back in the day, mixed with the Spanish. Pretty much. And, and I tell you what, she's so upset. Well, well, well let me ask so you. Let me, wait, let me ask you, Ruben. Where, where, how did this, uh, how did this, I mean, what was she talking to a magic eight ball? How is she finding this out that she do 23 and Me? Where, where did this revelation come from suddenly, this advanced in life? It was somebody she read about, did a 23 and Me, and thought they were Native American, and then found out they were Hispanic. Well, like I said, you know, it is all the same thing, like you said. I, I mean, I don't know anybody. When it comes to Italians, if this is any consolation to her, when it comes to Italians, I don't know anybody that's actually 100% Italian. I mean, the, the, the Italian peninsula, you go back far enough to the old world, and that was the, that was the melting pot of the known world at that point. Nobody's pure anything in Sicily. I mean, you're talking from, just based on just the people coming in, coming out, Slaves, this and that. There, there. That has just been a. There's just nobody that's really purely Italian. Exactly. You know. So. Well, hey, we're gl- we're glad to have you back, and I'm glad I was the first call. I. You know what? You just write that down. Write the date. Write the time. You were the first call back on the seventh of September. All right, my friend. Have a good night. Thank you, Ruben, and all the best to the wife. There you go. Little consolation, Javi out. The, you know, if Javi's out there, he's our he's he's one of my uh, Mexican friends out there. I'm sure Javi should call in and tell Ruben's wife there's nothing to be worried about because the brown wave, the brown wave is coming. The brown wave is coming for this country, and it's going to be a liberating force. You watch. It's not going to be what the Dems thought it was going to be. No way in hell. No way, Jose. I should say. 914-595-6953. Who's going to be the second call back? Might be the only time I have. Time for two calls. Glenn Greenwald. Great, great spot there. And we'll do that in another time. Then I want to talk about the fourth turning and what it's really all about, the Strauss-Howe generational theory. 
I have not read the actual book, but we've done enough on the subject mat- subject matter to get some really good conversations onto the record here in the show. Um, I guess everybody's a little petered out. So I'm going to get off a little bit early, and I'm going to send the responsibility. I'm going to delegate the rest of this evening's programming authority to Abe and Cody and Josh on, quite frankly, TV, the network end of things, powered by Foxhole. So please, ladies and gents, go on over to, quite frankly, TV. Sit back, relax. You're going to be treated to a nice night of spookiness, Skinwalker Ranch. And now that we're in September, the spookiness is just going to be turned up a notch every night. It's going to be a good time. Good time. And I'll see you tomorrow night. See you tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Same place. Right here on quitefrankly.tv. And um, and that'll be that. Can't wait to have Jay Gulinello here in the studio to talk nutrition. Got to do that again. Tomorrow is the night for it. So I'll see you there. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite Frankly is filmed before a live studio audience and now our super chatter starting with starting with military spouse Stostube Degenerate Dan and I also want to thank everybody that's been watching on Rockfin and on Rumble and on Pilled on YouTube on Theta on Twitch on DLive can't forget all them love you all I'll see you tomorrow at 7 o'clock and maybe I'll catch you in the chat room on quitefrankly.tv